Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. That's nice. <clears throat> I'm all right. Thank yeah. you for asking. Yeah. Well, I knew you'd tell me. <laughs> uh, we are back. It's been two weeks. We're sorry. To be fair, I saw you beat Star Fox earlier in a way you've never beat it before. Well, I guess I didn't see you. You did not. But I heard you, and um, so I knew you were good. Yup, Star Fox 64 <laughs> is still fun. It is still way more fun than you would think. That's There's like only like a handful of games that have aged super well. Yeah. Almost nothing from the Super Nintendo generation with very few ex- uh, 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 exceptions. Well, there's got to be, like, a balance between, like, graphics that are bad enough but also good enough at the same time that they hold up and then the storyline has to be there, too, like, mm. to make it worth it. But, like, I don't know, something about the 64 games, they're just unbearable a to lot, look a, at. A lot of them are, like, really forgettable. Mm. Um, and they're, like, they're in such an in-between stage, like... They were good at the time. They're the best we had at the time, obviously. But, like, things happened so quickly. Yeah, they did. That, like, two years after a game was released, it looked like total garbage. (laughs) Like, it's just some of those games are just so difficult. Uh, Like, 8-bit, 16-bit games, yeah, like, you know what you're getting, Mm -hmm. but, like... Some of those 64 games are just, like, all gigantic polygons with very little detail. Like, like people didn't try that hard, it seems like. Oh, I I don't think they really had any other options at the time, but... And then there's Star Fox. Star Fox. Glorious, awesome Star Fox. Um, I haven't played that in a little while, and I had a lot of fun playing it. Um... It's one of those things where you can pop in and you can play through the game in like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Eh, 20 minutes. I don't know. Something like that. 25 minutes? Maybe 25 minutes. minutes. <laughs> Could it be 30? Maybe 35. <laughs> I feel like I didn't we're say 40. Maybe you said 45. I said 50. Could be an hour. <laughs> <laughs> There's no upper cap on how long you're allowed to play Star Fox <clears throat> for. That's true. Um, oh, geez. So, yes, we missed last episode because we had to watch the hockey. Uh-huh. The Stanley Cup was Wednesday, and we completely forgot about it the week before when we were doing the podcast, saying we were definitely going to be back, probably, uh, the week after. We were not. Yeah. Um, we watched... Uh, we're liars, and you can blow up pictures of us and throw tomatoes at those pictures. But please, not at us in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't throw tomatoes at a picture of me either. I find it insulting. It's a weird. But you won't know. What I, if you don't know? Yeah, I, I just I don't like knowing that it's out there. You could do it. Just don't tell them. Um. So the Stanley Cup was between between. Be, what in the? Okay, hold on. The Stanley Cup <laughs> was played between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, the St. Louis Blues have never won a Stanley Cup. So they had a lot riding on this. Mm-hmm. The Bruins, on the other hand, uh, just felt like going into it, just felt like it was theirs. It really did. And it was a difficult Stanley Cup to watch. Um, the Stanley Cup final was it wasn't exactly like a complete. Well, it, it was, wasn't a, it wasn't oh, a shutout. Yeah, but it, it was close. It was really close to being a shutout. It was like four or five to one by the end of it. I just yeah. had to watch that. Made worse by the fact that I fucking hate st louis as a city i don't care for it i don't think it's good i mean that's nice to see the underdog win (laughs) but 
Yeah. yeah, you have a personal beef with that city. Just don't care for St. Louis. Don't think it's good. All right. Um. Anyway, yeah. So St. Louis uh, won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I'm just flicking plastic things at you. Don't look so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it came from above. <laughs> no, I flicked that over you. Oh, okay. Uh, so that happened. Um, what else has happened in the uh, week since? I don't know. I bought a bunch of dresses on the internet. That's true. You're wearing them, one of them right now. I'm wearing all five of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one you call your Miss Frizzle dress, and I think that that's yes. accurate. Also known as my kindergarten teacher dress. That is something that a kindergarten teacher would wear. Yes. I look very much like a kindergarten teacher. Um, it is a dark blue dress um, with like a kind of like a almost like a wrap top like wrap v-neck top mm-hmm. i had to wear a tank top underneath it because otherwise uh, my boobs I mean, would be hanging to. out eh, for work i kind of had to eh, you know. <laughs> um not trying to show everyone all the goods okay. all the time all right then um but there are multicolored dinosaurs on it yeah like in green and red and yellow and blue it does it looks a hell of a lot like miss frizzle's galaxy's dress yeah it's, it's just got that uh sort of it's the right color and uh right shape yeah yeah i liked it yeah you said you got it on mod cloth which is apparently the home of where everything women like is <laughs> well at least if you if you if you if you know as as i'm hearing it mod cloth the, is where the, all the thing good about is. mod cloth is that they were the one of the first at least to my knowledge reliable websites that you could get plus size clothing that's actually cute oh yeah i mean there's stores but a lot of times plus size people have to shop online if you want to find like the exact things you're looking for yeah and i will say even though uh, mod cloth is now owned by walmart which i don't love mm-hmm. but it's Basically, st- I haven't noticed any huge changes, maybe a couple small things, but everything I've bought from ModCloth has fit me. I haven't had to return a single thing. And yeah. most mostly it's been dresses. Yeah. So I call that a win. I've, I think I bought two other dresses. One is my lawn gnome dress. Mm-hmm. I saw it and I had to buy it because it was perfect for me. Yeah. Um. And then, which, which just so they know, that is it's a button up blue shirt with a big belt buckle and a red hat that you wear. No, and, yeah, uh, you, there's a fake beard you attach. No, and you just go around baby, like a no, baby. No, <laughs> I like the thought of you dressed up as a gnome. I did dress up as a gnome once for Halloween. <laughs> you should do that again. That's really funny. I should invest more time in the costume <clears throat> the next time I do it. Okay. This was a piece of felt that I bought at <laughs> at a craft store okay. and some glue and a dress, a skirt and a shirt I already owned. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's not anyway. Bad. Yeah. So yeah, I, I bought several dresses. I tried them all on. They all fit. I'm very happy about that. Um, this is one of my favorites. I just I decided I've been thinking for a long time that I want to be a person who wears dresses regularly. Yeah. And so I decided that I should just start doing that. Hmm. But that means I need more dresses that are like not obviously bridesmaid dresses. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, went went for it. I uh, also have to thank Aubrey because she started doing the same thing. And I was like, man, that reminds me that I wanted to do that. So, <laughs> Also, these dresses were... <clears throat> 
they were all on sale and they were running a special that um, if you bought a dress that was on sale, you got an additional 50% off the sale price. Mm. So some of them were like 20 bucks, 13 bucks off a dress that would have been like at least 40 or 50. That's pretty good. So yeah. 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 What's the dude good. equivalent of like, you know, like if like of always wearing a dress? What's the dude equivalent? Kilts? Huh? Kilts? Mm. It's not really what I'm looking for. Sweatpants. <laughs> you you know what? Why do I ask? <laughs> Forget it. I'm trying. <laughs> no, like a dress is like a nicer casual thing, not like a kilt. Um, maybe <laughs> well, dress kilts are a thing, but anyway. <laughs> maybe like dockers or like khakis. Yeah, maybe that is it. Or dickies. Yeah, I don't Like wear something any of that's that. like kind of a dressy pant, but not super formal. Yeah. Like polo tees. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, never mind. I take it back. I was nah, like thinking maybe this like would that. be, but no, nah, it's not for me. The, There's the no like, whole, like cool way to wear a polo tee, I don't think. Blazer. You know what? Blazers. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, blazers. Blazers with like blazers a nice over down a t shirt. Or a t shirt. classes it up. Yeah, Interesting. You're right. That is the look. Yeah, I'm trying to go for a whole like casual dress wearing look so i can get yeah. to a point where people aren't like why are you so dressed up every time i wear a dress <laughs> right. last time I, I wore a skirt and i literally paired it it's like a black skirt with like um birds on it mm-hmm. and i paired it with a pixie's tank top and a sweater over that because i can't just wear a tank top to work yeah and everyone was like, oh, you're so dressed up. And I was like, I'm literally wearing a band tank top. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is cash. <clears throat> yeah, right. But yeah. When you mostly wear um, T-shirts with puns on them, <laughs> yeah, you get a reputation yeah. for not being dressy. Uh, I guess so. Novelty, I stand by my pun shirts. <laughs> novelty graphic tees kind of, you know, it's like a very, I don't know. It's like once you do that all the time, people just assume you're going to keep doing that. Yeah. And I will, but also I'll sometimes wear dresses. Sometimes you'll be Miss Frizzle. Yeah. Um, I think it might be time for us to move on to something we do every time we do this show. You probably remember what it is. Um, talk about food? Mm, no, although that is something we do every time we do this show. <laughs> Um, braid each other's hair? Mm, no, we do that in the break usually. Mm. But we do do it like every time. I'm at a loss, and you said doo-doo. <sighs> it's time to play <laughs> Trues and Fnews! You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for Trues and Fnews. Time to play Trues and Fnews. Everyone's playing, everyone's playing a famous game, famous game, the game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for Trues and a Merv Griffin production. God damn it, Trues and Fnews. That classic game, god damn it. <laughs> You're so worked up. I don't know. Baby, we don't want to, we don't want them to hear us argue. <laughs> Baby, stop. Why do you have to yell? Why Jeez. do you have to yell? Take Just, it down a notch, please. I think you need to talk in your inside voice. <laughs> Maybe try your NPR voice out. I think I'm trying to hype myself up a little bit because I'm just like so. got nothing in the tank today. So yeah. if I have to yell, God damn it, a bunch, 
That's what I'm going to do. That's what happens. Um, do you want to play Trues and Fuse, that classic news game? That game, that classic game, the game that's sweeping the nation. Trues and Fuse is a game where I provide you two false stories, one true story. You have to determine which of these stories is the true story, the trues, or the false story, the news. Can you do it? I want to try. Yeah, you, you can do it. No. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. My voice doesn't. <laughs> Creepy. All right, it's here like we are. A half a step away from monster sounds. Um, number one, the Hard Rock Cafe has made history, creating the first electric guitar that can be played via an embedded hamburger. Number two. Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, the president and vice president of the National Center for Fathering, a Christian fatherhood group, were embarrassed this week after being spotted having a Father's Day lunch at a Brooklyn Hooters restaurant. <clears throat> Number three, Denver Mayor Michael Hancock has been unable to leave the mayor's residence since last week due to an endangered golden eagle taking residence on his limousine that gets really mean when people get near it. Repeat, please. Okay, here we go again. Number one, the Hard Rock Cafe has made history, creating the first electric guitar that can be played via an embedded hamburger. Still don't know what that means. <laughs> Two, the president and vice president of the National Center for Fathering, a Christian fatherhood group, were embarrassed this week after being spotted having Father's Day lunch at a Brooklyn Hooters restaurant. All right. And number three, Denver Mayor Michael Hancock has been unable to leave the mayor's residence since last week due to an endangered golden eagle taking residence on his limousine that gets really mean when people get near it. Hmm. Trying to write my recaps here. Who was it that that happened to with the eagle? Denver Mayor Michael Hancock. Hmm. Uh. All right. Oh, man, this, this is the... This is the I know. <laughs> This is a thing that you didn't used to do, but now because you started writing things down, you got to get a clever recap in there. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to do, to do this. I just like it. Yeah. All right. Okay. What do you think? So recap number one, hard rock makes burgers rock, literally. Yeah. Number two, Christian men like boobs too. And wings. It was for the wings. <laughs> number three, mayor harassed by golden eagle, giant eagle's cousin. All right. <laughs> that one was a stretch, but I, I was running out of time. I know. I, I, <laughs> I was here. I saw this. I saw the panic set in. Um, this is difficult. I want it to be number three, but that mm. has a feeling like that sounds like classic Dave lie to me. <laughs> okay. Classic Dave lie. So the ones I'm most interested by are two and three, but I feel like that means they're probably made up. But mm. I'm going to fall into the trap of choosing one that I want to be it, even okay. if I think it's not necessarily right. The name of the game is to spot the trues. I know, but I don't know. Okay. So I just end up going with the one that I think is funniest. <laughs> um, 
Okay. I don't, hold on. Let me think about it for okay. a second. Okay. All right. I don't understand the first one, and mm-hmm. that's why I have hesitation, because I just, I don't know what it means, <laughs> and I can't picture it. You know what? I'll just go with the first one. I think the first one's true. You think the first one's true? And I'm just too dumb to understand what it is. <laughs> You got it. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> glad I changed my mind. I almost chose <laughs> Christian men like boobs too and wings. You know what? That's a thing that's probably happened somewhere. I just I'm didn't sure. have access to the article. I'm um, sure. But okay, so the thing with the Hard Rock Cafe and the burger is that in celebration of a new burger that they're debuting, which of course is one of these garish, grotesque things that has edible like gold on it, like a moron. Like 15 like, patties high and caviar. It's, and it's not even It's not even that big. It's just got, it's got edible gold. I fucking I hate, hate the edible gold shit. That's such a shitty, okay, I could talk about that forever, but I won't. It's, it's, it's basically this big deluxe burger. But to celebrate it, they had this guitar maker, whose name escapes me, design a guitar such that they could put the burger in the guitar and then by... Touching different ingredients on the burger, you could, like, play the guitar. It's really dumb. They have, like, these electrodes That is up one to- of the dumbest <laughs> promotional things I've ever heard. It's incredibly from dumb. From a restaurant. And I heard all about <laughs> IHOB. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. This is a real thing. You can play, you can play a guitar with a bird. Well, you can't. There's only there's only one of them in the world. But are you saying I'm not special enough to play a burger guitar? I'm saying go up there and ask him. Where is this located? I don't know. Baby, you're so unhelpful. <laughs> you're hindering my dreams. Uh, yeah. This is a new dream I didn't know I had until five seconds ago. But I'm very mad that you're keeping me from it. <laughs> the idea that you one could play a guitar via a burger is a beautifully stupid idea. It is beautifully stupid. I really love how dumb it is, but we'll never get to. <sighs> if any of you get to, or you have a video of someone who got to, if one of you has the hamburger guitar because you found it in a dumpster behind a Hard Rock oh cafe. My God. <laughs> Please let us know. Pass it along this. our way. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very stupid idea. If anyone wants to buy us a hamburger guitar, or just a hamburger, Did, I know I'll settle for a hamburger. I'll make the guitar sounds myself. Billy, 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 Billy. Um, you got it. <laughs> the the oh god, the patty itself is the baseline, uh, and the right. onions are like a little bit of symbols. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so many ways you could dream this uh, scenario up, yeah, but uh, I'm having fun. Um, <clears throat> you got it. You guessed it. You found the truth. Congratulations. Uh, that seems to have been easier than I thought. I'm so good. Um, oh no, I I tortured myself over it. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's true, but I think you immediately were like, "Here's the one I think it is, and here's the one I like." No, I didn't understand what it meant, so I just didn't really pay attention to it at first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's Trues and Fnews. I couldn't have possibly thought that it was something as stupid as it actually was. Yeah. That's the thing is I put that in there because I'm like, that's too dumb. How would <laughs> anyone think that that's an actual thing? Yeah. But you found it. You spotted it. Um, so middle segment time. Mm-hmm. You got something for me. Yes. Uh, what is it? So 
A lot of times we do end up making suggestions <coughs> and talking about the things we've been into lately because, you yeah, know, what else are we going to do? Mm -hmm. So I have been listening to a lot of audiobooks and on uh, podcasts like I always do. I act like it's new every time, but uh -huh. um, I get on a tear with like a specific subject that I always come back to. And then I'll just, like, go through everything in that subject I can. Yeah, sure. So it started with the book The Gift of Fear. Yeah, which, which you may have talked about on here. I, I might remember. have. I can't remember. But in case I didn't, uh, it's by Gavin DeBecker. And I've heard about this book for years and never, you know, read it or listened to it. I listened to the audiobook versions of all of these mm -hmm. and... um of course, the podcast is audio, too. Mm -hmm. And The Gift of Fear is basically just talking about, you know, listening to your instincts and, like, why, like, what you pick up on in other people and, like, kind of, like, profiling kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's like your gut reaction to things may not always mm -hmm. be right, but it means something and you should listen to it. That's, like, yeah. what, the, that's what the basic message is, right? Yeah, and there's, like, <clears throat> case examples and stuff. Yeah. So... Yeah. That was really interesting. I think many of us know this from our own lives on some level of like, I yeah, had a bad feeling it, about this thing. Yeah. It's cool to just hear it broken down. Yeah. Like what's happening and all that. Um, after that, I read a book called In Sheep's Clothing. Mm -hmm. And it's basically about recognizing um, the signs of a manipulative person and how to keep yourself from being manipulated. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing he said that really stuck with me, and I know I told you this before, is that men who can't hear no go for women who can't say no. Yeah. And this isn't putting blame on victims in any way. It's just saying <clears throat> if you're a person who has a hard time saying no, yeah. people who want to manipulate you will pick you out and will target you. You know They, they will push... They will get you to break down and relent by being persistent. Yeah. And then once they do, they know that they can. And so they'll keep doing that mm -hmm. to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Yeah. And it might not even be like a conscious, like calculated move on their part. They might not think about it like that, but that's what manipulative people do. Mm -hmm. They yeah, find right. people to manipulate yeah, it's like <clears throat> it, we talked about this a little bit the other night, but you're you're right that it's like it toes the edge of sounding like victim blaming to talk about this stuff, but but it's really important to recognize the difference between this is something that is you know a victim's fault and this is a trait in yeah. what someone identifies as a potential victim. Yeah, basically the purpose of this whole book was being like, hey, like. Maybe you can recognize these traits in yourself and recognize these traits in other people mm -hmm. and keep yourself from getting yeah. in this trap. Like you should be aware if you're this kind of person. Yeah. And as a person who has a hard time saying no and mm. all of that and uh, another maybe less eloquent way to put it is the My Favorite Murder version, which is fuck politeness. Uh, that reminds um, me. I'm going to need like 50 bucks. No. Please? And then I kick you in the shins and I run away. <laughs> <laughs> what if I? What, but what if I said it differently? I'm gonna need like fifty bucks, <laughs> baby. I I know this sounds like a joke, but I actually kind of need fifty bucks, baby. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> we don't discuss our finances on the podcast. 
Uh, all right. Anyway, yes. I have a 50 in my wallet. You can grab it later. <laughs> and win. <laughs> That's a blatant lie. Yeah. I do not have any cash in my wallet yeah. ever. Mm. In case anyone was thinking of <laughs> stealing from me. <laughs> I was, but I'm not now. Going to a weird place. Mm-hmm. Um no, but that's the gist of that. Of yeah. just like learning to say no and stick with it, and other tactics you can employ if you're in a manipulative situation or keep yourself from getting in one, mm-hmm. and just recognizing the kind of people who would try to do that to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. I I really liked it. It's definitely more dry, um, than some of the, than like the gift of fear, but I thought it had solid advice. And then um, I listened to Mind Hunter, which is the book by John Douglas. He's one of the people who made profiling what it is. Uh, yeah, he worked right. for the FBI, and obviously there's the show based off of his memoir. Mm-hmm. And that's really good, of course. Yeah. Um, and then I started, because I was on an FBI kick after that, I had heard of this podcast and hadn't listened to it yet. So I decided to give it a shot. It's called the FBI Retired Case File Review with Jerry Williams. Okay. I think, <clears throat> I don't know if you told me about this or if I heard about this before. I this think I had told you about it before because I wanted to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't listened to it yet until this week. It's really good. It's, I will say she's got a real mellow voice, like, Maybe not very charismatic sounding, Mm -hmm. but she does really good interviews with other former FBI agents and their stories are amazing. And some episodes are like 20 minutes, some are 30 minutes, some are an hour. It just depends on like what kind of career they had and like what kind of things they have to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of profilers so far. A couple have been profilers, um, gone on to do stuff post-retirement basically the way she interviews them is she has them say how they started their career in the fbi like how they got into it how they were interested in it if they were recruited like how did all that work and then um after that like what they did in their career Mm -hmm. maybe specific departments or specific cases and then um, what they've been doing since they retired. And then if they've consulted on any, like, TV shows or movies, um, they talk about that, too. Because she also keeps, like, running dialogue on essentially the FBI in media. Because <clears throat> she's very interested in that and watches all the crime shows. And well, Okay, so, like, so like, what kind of cases do they talk about out here? Like, what's one that I would know? What's something um, that I would recognize? Unabomber. Un- okay, Unabomber. Yeah, the okay. the guy who um, was basically the first person with a forensic linguistics focus. Oh, right, because the way he wrote, right? This yeah, was, there wrote. was um, this, <clears throat> this FBI agent, I can't remember his name right now, but it's one of the fir- he's in one of the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, he... He started doing profiling, and then he always liked language, and he just... He got asked to come out and look at this case. He was supposed to be out there for a month, and he ended up staying for like a year and a half Uh because they liked what he was doing to help them. And he read all of the manifesto multiple times Mm -hmm. Um, to the fact like he remembered details about it still, and it's probably been like 10, at least 10 or 20 years since, you know, it's been a long time. 
And he remembers a lot about it because he was so focused on it for so long. Mm -hmm. But he um, he said that he Kaczynski was actually a really good writer mm-hmm. and made very few mistakes. And he used like a manual typewriter. And if he did make a typing error, like he crossed it out and he fixed it. Like his <laughs> mistakes were not like they were like I missed a key. They weren't like mm-hmm. actual spelling errors. Okay. So the thing that was distinct was a specific phrase that he used. Instead of saying, have your cake and eat it too, he said, eat your cake and have it too. <laughs> Just like most people know the right way to say that. That's a very specific thing. <clears throat> yeah, it's like a so, thing that not everyone gets wrong that way. So you yeah, kind of be able unique. to narrow it down. Yeah. So when things <laughs> um, started hitting the proverbial fan... And details started coming out about the Unabomber. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother actually called in and said, I think this might be my brother. And at first we're like, okay, we got a billion of tips like these. Yeah. Everyone wants started... their brother to get arrested by the FBI. We get it. <laughs> but then they started, um, <laughs> he started giving them details. And of course they had a profile built of this person. And the things he was saying uh-huh. were lining up with what kind of person they thought would do this. Just ticking boxes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So um, the brother and the mom ended up giving the FBI and the police department letters mm-hmm. uh, that Kaczynski had written them. And so when they looked through those, le- those letters, there was actually one he had written, one thing he had written that he actually said, eat your cake and have it too. No kidding. Yeah, I forget exactly what it was that he wrote, but yeah. And they're like, "We've got our man." Yeah, that, I mean, that know was how a big, to say this. <laughs> that was a big part of it because that's such yeah. a distinct thing. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how long he had been doing that for. He started in like seventy six or something. It was like thirty years. Shot that Bob. he went uncaught. There was like a six year break in between. Some of them because he almost got caught and then he started just mailing them and, and he, not like. And he was in a band for a bit. He was in a band. He had a girlfriend. Yeah, he did a whole. His life just gets busy. Went, you can't keep up with all your hobbies. He went through like a psychedelics phase. It didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And he washes up and starts making bombs again. You know, you got to get back to you. got to get back on the horse. So maybe don't become a bomber, guys. No, don't do that. But. Yeah, the very interesting podcast and kind of soothing because her voice is just very soothing. Uh-huh. Um, but I enjoy that quite a bit. I suggest it. Uh, I have a uh, I have a small bit of uh, hold on just a minute. I have something I wanted to share mm-hmm. here. Uh, okay, here it is. We're all gonna die. What? We're all gonna die. Okay, I heard you explain. <laughs> Jesus. Deadly 1,100-foot asteroid could hit Earth in October. Are you excited? No, I'm not. I'm just freaking out a little bit. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> you're, like, fist pumping. Yeah, I know. I'm, I guess I'm just uh, screaming at the heavens, right? So this this happens all the time. Yep. It's not a big deal. They always, oh, we spotted another one, and it could come kind of close, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. This one... Um, They've calculated a total of 165 impact scenarios for the asteroid. It's uh, named 2007 FT3. It was detected by Sentry, which is the thing that detects a lot of these things. It it basically monitors near-Earth objects, right? Um, 
basically the asteroids that it finds are the things that could hit Earth within within a hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, it's so it has a diameter of, of, of one thousand one hundred and fifteen feet, which makes it significantly taller than the Eiffel Tower, uh, and then it will enter the atmosphere at a velocity of forty five thousand six hundred miles per hour. But the big thing, faster th- than the Eiffel Tower for sure. <laughs> It's much faster than the Eiffel Tower. People don't talk about how slow the Eiffel Tower is. It's embarrassingly slow. Stupid France. Uh, So, um, the thing that upsets me is that after 2024, it's expected to have near collisions with Earth on a almost yearly basis. Hmm. That's something I've never heard before out of one of these. Yeah, that is weird. You know, like you hear a lot of it was like, oh, here, here it comes. Yeah, it's going to miss us. It's fine. <laughs> and like, then yeah. it just keeps going and doesn't swing back to try again. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is this thing is. <laughs> it's like in an orbit. Yeah, more or less. I guess that's the idea. Is it's the, the, that's the idea. It's, it's orbiting in such a way that it, I mean, near collisions every year. How long can we keep dodging that thing? Hopefully not long. <laughs> I don't know. This I just is, want it all to end. <laughs> I, I know that in like seriously, like in a day, I'll read an article that's like, "Don't worry about this; it's no big deal." But yeah. it's kind but of for alarming. now. Let's get alarmed. <laughs> We're all gonna die. You know what? I'm not worried. I've seen Armageddon. <laughs> I, I know it all works out. I know Bruce Willis will. Bruce Willis will save he us. He will save us in the nick of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, apparently the force of this thing would be the equivalent of 2.7 million kilotons of TNT. Which, Dynamite! Uh, <laughs> TNT, it's out of sight! <laughs> All right, I'm done. Listen, 2.7 million is this is the impact here. The bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were 18 and 22 kiloton equivalents. 18, 22, 2.7 million. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we're... <laughs> I don't know, it just freaks me out. I mean, I know that this is probably not a big deal, and, like... It'll be fine. As, like, a, uh, a skeptic overall, I know not to worry that much. But still, I don't like this. I don't like knowing this. Then just forget about it. That's a good point. I could just forget about it and not think about mm-hmm. it. I take it back. We're all going to be fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's that easy. Uh, and I guess with that, why don't we take a break here? A little break break? A little break break. And we will come back in a minute with the main segment for this episode. Mm -hmm. Everything's gonna be fine. That's the main segment of the episode. Everything's Everything's gonna be all right. We're not gonna blow up. It's gonna be fine. (laughs) All right. All right. Yes, we are. With the topic I don't know nothing about. Yes. I got my cold, tall glass of Bell's Two-Hearted Clone. I think you mean Dave's Who Farted. Mm-hmm. That's what you call your version. I hate that, but I'm kind of proud of it, too. <laughs> I have to say, uh, it's the beer is very, very good. We enjoyed some. We didn't even talk about Father's Day, but we had a very uh, nice Father's Day. Yeah, screw it. We're going to talk, talk about, about it this. now. We had um, both of our dads over. Too um, much dad to handle. 
<laughs> just dads down around. Just dad, dad, dads. Um, there, my family had some other plans for Father's Day, but the, you know, we got rained out of those, and you were already doing something for your dad, and our dads actually know each other, so yeah, we just added my family into the mix, we and it worked out well. Conveniently smushed our families together, and they yeah. were super cool about it. Yeah, and it was fun and nice, and everyone who did have some of your beer could have some of your beer enjoyed it i made a rock and mac and cheese that brought the oh, fucking house down mac and cheese was very good oh, man i'm getting so good at mac and cheese i love that mac and cheese really gotta kind of like shout out my buddy my buddy jimmy who like uh told me how to make a that the like a cheese sauce it really is that easy it's just buying sodium citrate on yeah. amazon and stirring it into your melty cheese every time someone was like man this mac and cheese is good i'd just be like sodium citrate yeah it's science <laughs> it's just science like how did no one ever tell us that before yep. because people are weirded out by food additives i guess so but that one's like a really normal one yep. that one's like not even a super <laughs> sciencey one yeah, just deliciousness. Yeah, it's uh, really easy to do, and it was real delicious, and we had grilled meats. We had lots of grilled meats. Everyone hung out outside and fruits. enjoyed the weather, or as much of it as we could. Well, you have an enclosed porch kind of thing, and uh -huh. so we can enjoy the the temperature of the weather without getting rained on. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, uh, it just, worked out just, well. Just uh, dad's dadding around. Just dad's dadding around. Operation Ultra Dad. Yes, um. you could call it that. <laughs> Uh, the dadening. Yes, it was the dadening. I think that was mine. Is that yours? Yeah, I think I texted that to you. Did you? Yeah. I really like the dadening. The dadening. Uh, the dadening. Anyway, this time it was a good personal. time. I'm glad it happened. Yeah, it uh, yeah it was. So anyway, that's that. That's Father's Day. It was good. Now, you have are the floor. you ready to have a strange conservation conversation? <laughs> How long have you been looking forward to saying that? Uh, a couple days. <laughs> you know when I told you that I thought I had the name of the episode? Yeah, is that it? Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we, we always struggle with what to name these damn things, so <laughs> nice to have one preloaded in the tank when we start. Yep. Unless we change our minds and agonize over it for 20 minutes. <sighs> yeah, we might, but we totally won't. So. All right. To start this conversation, wildlife conservation is the prevention preservation and rebuilding of endangered wild populations mm -hmm. whose pending extinction is caused by many factors many of which are influenced by you guessed it filthy humans uh-huh so in doing this research i've learned that uh wildlife conservationists are sweet baby angels who come up with creative solutions to problems that could wipe out a species if a species if unchecked. Do you mean like those people that take the little baby sloths and they wrap them up in sloth jammies? Yeah, I like them. They're yeah. they're none of the examples I have, but yeah, people who, um, you know, raise animals and so they could release them into the wild, or people who raise them in captivity to try to increase the populations mm -hmm. in the hopes of keeping them from going extinct and eventually reincorporating them into the wild. All of that. Okay. Sometimes they take one for the team. What? Uh, sometimes their efforts are forgotten until a fish and game historian locates some mislabeled, mislabeled footage depicting beavers being parachuted out of airplanes into rivers <laughs> as a means of relocating beavers from overpopulated areas to you're, underpopulated areas. You're going to talk about the parachuting beavers? Yes. This Fucking is... Yes! 
Thanks, Laura, for the suggestion. Uh, since I read this, I have been like hype on the idea that yes. Beaver is just parachuting out of place. This story wasn't enough on its own, but don't you worry. <laughs> I found plenty of other examples. That's awesome. So you can watch this video of beavers being parachuted from one part of Idaho to another part of Idaho. <laughs> my own private Idaho. I don't get it. A song. Okay. I think that's the words. If not, I just embarrass myself. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> yeah, that's what this is all about. Um, but you can watch that video on YouTube. And reportedly, uh, the beavers weren't harmed in the process. This wasn't like an effort to reduce the number of beavers. So they were just like killing them in a weird way. <laughs> well, they they were, give them parachutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> they actually were relocating them because there was a high population in one part that was damaging the rural land with dams and all of that. And there's another area that was underpopulated and the water needs of the area were not being met. So they relocated um, beavers from one part to another and um, were able to help solve these problems. So the goal was to allow the beaver population to flourish properly. So in 1941, uh, or an example of the, the benefit of beavers And the reason the government would spend the money and time to trap and relocate beavers via dropping them with a parachute out of a (laughs) helicopter in crates that open upon landing and release the beavers. (laughs) Um, The reason they would want to do that is because beavers are pretty great. Uh, Five in 1941 in Idaho. Five beavers were able to crucially stabilize the water supply in Salmon, Idaho. Really? They saved the city the cost of a dam. No Five kidding. beavers. They just built a really sweet dam. They they built a dam or dams that just... The the needs of the beaver is <laughs> like building all these dams, but also just they do it in just the right places. I wish I understood why it, they do that. It's just what they do. Yeah. But yeah, it just it benefits everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, because that probably I mean, like building a dam has got to be no matter how small that thing is, a very expensive endeavor. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know. Well, it's a, it's at least that's money the government didn't ha- didn't have to spend to prevent like a lot of flooding and a lot of costly issues down the line if they didn't get to it fast enough. Right. Nature prevented them from having to do that. Mm-hmm. So. Invest a little money in making sure nature is flourishing in the right ways and the right places and save yourselves later. Hmm, take note. Um, so this is from an article from Time called The True History Behind Idaho's Parachuting Beavers by Julia Zorthian. Um, so professional trappers trapped the beavers that were to be parachuted. As payment for them doing this, they were allowed to keep and skin some beavers as payment, but not very many. <laughs> that's the really, that's the dark underside yeah, of the story. But the, the government was like, how can we be as cheap as possible? Let's get these professional trappers to do it and we'll mm-hmm. throw them a couple spare beavers. <laughs> so why parachutes? Uh, trucks had been used for this purpose before, but the beavers had died because they were away from water for too long and the oh. trip was just taking too long. So they started doing airplane drops um, though they haven't been done now in over 50 years. Yeah. Um, so that's basically that story. They they did it. It seems to have worked. 
Wait, so after they were relocated, that's when they built that dam? No, I. Oh. that's an unrelated story. It did okay. also occur in Idaho, but I don't know in relation. I think I don't think they were relocated until like the 50s. Oh, okay. But that's just an example of what beavers can do. So, um, so wait, they dropped them in boxes. They're, they're like, if you watch a video, you could see it. And it has one of those narrators that's like, and now you see the majestic beaver being loaded into crates by professional trappers. There he is. He's a happy looking it's beaver. It's great. There. You should really watch the clip. Now they're being dropped at full velocity as the parachute has failed to open. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Look no. out, beavers. No, no, nothing like that. It's positive <laughs> and nice. But it, they, like, rig these crates in such a way that they safely are parachuted down. But upon landing, they, like, like they open, open up. And the beavers just, like, crawl out and just <laughs> go find water. <laughs> just like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's so funny. They, they're, like, fine. They're like, that was weird. <laughs> well, the one gets out and goes, you think you had a rough morning. Ooh. <laughs> and the, the best part about this is they recorded this. There is video footage with that narration. Mm -hmm. And then it was just lost. To the ages. Like, it was just hidden away somewhere. No one knew about it. And then finally, the historians in the area found it and were like, oh, no, we have to share this. <laughs> yeah, like, that's <laughs> super interesting. It's weird that that could be forgotten. I'm sure it was, like, in a, a uh, uh, you know, wherever they keep the history of conservation and stuff in the area. It was, like, in a closet in the yeah. Parks and Recreation Department somewhere. And yeah, like, the basement of a library in a room no one has the key to. Yeah. <laughs> You know, some unpaid intern was doing a research project and found it. Yeah, right. <laughs> some guy was using it as an iPad stand. <laughs> Just like, oh, wait a minute. So, yeah, I want to move on to the next story. Okay. I'm calling this story The Crane Who Loved Me. <laughs> also could possibly call it The Crane Wife. Eh, nice. Eh? Mm -hmm. um, so this is about the white-naped crane. It's an endangered species. It's the fourth rarest species of crane. There are approximately 4,900 to 5,300 of them. Entirety. Wow. Not very many at all. Yeah, that's not a lot. So I want to talk about walnut. <laughs> walnut? The yes, crane? The crane. Nice. In 2004 is when she first arrived at the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute in Virginia. Um, at the time, she was the most genetically valuable white-naped crane in captivity. Now, white-naped cranes can live... I, I, I've seen some articles and things that say 60 years. I think maybe yeah. that's like cranes in general. Uh-huh. But the oldest white-naped crane they've ever you know, known is approximately 45 years... Was approximately 45 years old. Okay. So, give or take. Um at the age of 23, she was basically middle-aged. She hadn't produced a single chick. Um, she also had a reputation for murdering her mates. <laughs> Holy shit. She was a black widow. You know you're endangered, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not her fault. Okay. But so they had found two male cranes who tried to mate with her. They were found dead with their bellies sliced open by her sharp claws. Presumably. That's fuck. the story. Yeah, she's badass. You don't want to fuck with that crane. That's, oh my Which God. Which is why the resolution of the story <laughs> is even more fascinating. But okay. let's yeah, start yes. at the beginning. Right. Um, yeah, that's the rumor of what happened to those mates. <laughs> but um, those bellies didn't slice themselves, so. Sure. 
At least I don't think that's possible. <laughs> um, so she was born July 2nd, 1981. She's mm. born before us. A child of the 80s. In an old horse barn in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Same. <laughs> um, she was taken in by the... She was either raised by or taken in by the International Crane Foundation. Um, now, they are endangered. The species is endangered, and a lot of crane species in general are. Mm-hmm. Um, due to increased human populations, uh, which overtake their areas, they drain them, pollute them, drain and pollute the wetlands, which is where they live. Yeah. Um, they're also drawn to marginalized areas. One of their most important wintering grounds is a two and a half mile wide demilitarized zone separating North and South Korea. <laughs> no shit. It's they live in the DMZ. Them and another species of crane just flourish there because wow. of the environment. And also they're too light to set off the landmines that oh. are there all over the place there. Yeah. So yeah, they live there right now, but it's a very <laughs> small area and um, if something happens and tensions subside, people have already talked about what they want to do with that area. It's going to wipe out those populations there. Yeah. Right. So they're attracted to like places that aren't great. But the people then, aren't uh, crucially right. Places we're not. Yeah. Well, of course. But yeah. also like marshy areas, which people don't tend to be in marshes. Yeah. True. Unless you live in the Everglades. Unless, unless um, you are a swamp man. <laughs> So zoos and conservations started breeding them in captivity. Um, but the problem with that is that the populations can get very inbred because they just. Yeah. Yeah. Not a wide genetic base. 5,300 tops of these. Like it's just not very many. Yeah. So it when you consider how many you have in. Um, oh, God. Captivity. In captivity. Yeah. The, the breeding pool isn't very large. <clears throat> right. So enter Walnut. Um, her parents were wild cranes who were confiscated um, from, you know, people who had trapped them. Mm-hmm. They were probably going to be taxidermied or sent to a private menagerie. And Ooh. ideally they would be returned to where they came from. But the issue with that is at the time there were very high international tensions because they were from China Oh. Um, they weren't sure where they were from in China, so they, they couldn't return them to where they were from. They ended up in Wisconsin? That's that's where the um organization was. Oh. That oh. was that's okay. the International Crane Foundation gotcha, where they gotcha. were taken. Um and they weren't sure if these wild birds like carried disease or had acquired any disease on their travels and could take it back to a wild population. Yeah. So there were a lot of reasons that they decided just to take it to the ice take them to the ICF. Mm-hmm. Um so Walnut was born, and at this time, um, the ICF largely, you know, was run with volunteers, like any nonprofit organization. So they had what they called volunteers called chick mamas that helped care for baby cranes like Walnut. And they weren't as knowledgeable at the time as we are now. So chicks, um, they need to have a healthy fear of humans if they're going to be eventually like reintroduced into the wild. Yeah, right. Um, they also need to learn like crane behaviors. And cranes easily imprint on other cranes or on people. Really? Because that's part of their nature. They're one of these birds that mate for life. Okay. So Walnut in two thousand four was 
eventually transferred to the SCBI um, in Virginia for a chance at motherhood since she was in her 20s and that hadn't happened yet. This is like the last shot to try to make this happen. Um, they think that Walnut might have gotten a little too much human attention. Maybe she was alone and the caretaker felt kind of bad and so they sort of babied her. But she imprinted on someone hard. Uh-huh. And um, that's why she doesn't act normally. She doesn't, she rips apart her mates <laughs> and things like that. Um, so not her fault, but they, they're more careful about that now than they were at the time because we, we've learned more. Okay. Um, so this article, just if you guys want to read it, it's from The Independent. It's called The Strange Story of the White-Naped Crane Who Fell in Love with Her Keeper. <laughs> the byline is Sadie Dingfelder. That's a great, a great name. name. <laughs> That's a wonderful name. So um, Chris Crow, who's 42, started working at SCBI. Um, his job was to get Walnut to have babies. So they had to artificially inseminate her. Um, there were other cranes that were doing the thing. So they were taking crane sperm and inseminating her with it to get Basically, babies that weren't inbred because her parents were actually wild, which is like a get, you know. That's why she was so valuable, but she wasn't doing this naturally. So this is the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted to make this as, like, untraumatic as possible. So Chris Crow... I love that kind he has of, a bird name. He does. I didn't even think of that, <laughs> but he does. Why it does, is, he it does have, 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 have an e on the end, Still, but yeah. He has a bird name. It's great. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the first time he did this, he was tasked with this. He kind of like, he and another keeper sort of like cornered her and held her and, and did the artificial insemination. But mm-hmm. he wanted it to be less traumatic if he could. And he also noticed about her that she wasn't as afraid of humans as the other birds. So she was more interested in them and would approach them. And he was like, okay, so like what do birds do? What do they do when they mate? And so he watched what they did and he started imitating them. So oh. he um he like flaps around and he makes the noises that they would make and oh my god yeah so so he basically has he doesn't have sex but he gives her bird sex he has seduced a bird he seduced a bird <laughs> his job was to seduce that bird i mean I don't he know. has now seduced several birds. Let's be clear, not just walnut. Okay, he has put this tactic to use <clears throat> for other populations because she is not as valuable anymore because they have bred her multiple times, and so now there are other ones that uh-huh. they had to focus on. Right. Um. But yeah, he does this with walnuts sometimes multiple times a day, and oh my god! Even though she's no longer really needed to make babies, he continues to do this because. She is in love with Crow, and he is basically her mate for life. He's noticed that she fell in love with him, and hold, he can't hold not on do this. Am I? Do I have the right image in my head? <sighs> is a grown man flapping around a bird container, bird and then container. and then using some kind of bird semen probe to impregnate a bird 
several times a day. Well, he's not impregnating her several times a day. Basically, he's he's, he's inseminating her no, several times. No, not a day. anymore. Well, he he's was? giving her sex several times a day. Okay, Bird what sex. does what does that mean? So he essentially like he he does all the behaviors that they would do to like entice a mate. So he yeah. flaps around and he makes the noises he gets and the bird all boned up and then and what? he throws grass at her because it's like hey we're gonna make a nest we're gonna make a nest and birds like that. So okay. um. Then if she's into it, she sort of like bends over and like raises up her wings, like spreads her feathers and is like, do it. Much like humans. Yes. And so he approaches and he like rubs her thighs and massages her cloaca. Wait. Yes. And and then if you're inseminating her, that's when he would inseminate her. But okay. (laughs) But she's his. He's her mate. This is his job. <laughs> this is the thing. And let's not forget that this is very important for the cause. But that's why I said sometimes, sometimes, the you know, you take one for the team. And now you have a bird wife. I just can't believe he does the whole thing. Yeah. You know what? She fell in love with her keeper. <laughs> he, he he masturbates the bird. Basically, yes. Unbelievable. Okay. Yep. All right. Now I've heard everything. <laughs> and now if she found out that he had done this for other birds, she'd probably be very angry. But. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he, she's imprinted and wow. yeah, she, um, she loves him. I shouldn't laugh. This is important work. It is. And it's like. <laughs> Uh, what if you realized you were the one? Like, this is your job now. Well, this is your life. I know, right? Like, what if you, you look at your boss? You're like, I don't know what to tell you. He I, didn't this bird want married it to me. be traumatic. Like, he was trying, he's like, I guess we could do this another way. She's into me. <laughs> so let's just take advantage of the situation, I there, guess. There's a select subset of the population that this is their, this is their dream life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he ever thought he'd be doing that. No. He never thought that. No. He also has said, like, he, he's not into specifically, like, bird conservation. He's mm-hmm. into conservation in general. So he would like to work on a project, like, releasing, reintegrating wolves into the wild and stuff like that. Yeah. But for now, this is what he does. And he basically wouldn't feel comfortable retiring before Walnut dies. Oh my god! Yeah, I've never heard anything like that. Honestly, I mean, we kind of we did something similar when we <laughs> talked the about the dolphin. Thing. I kept thinking about the dolphin, but that wasn't for conservation. No, that was for study, and they handled it so horribly. Yeah, that was just like that was like, well, I'll jerk off the dolphin so that it'll pay attention in class. Yeah, which is which so I don't, different. I don't blame her. I'm, but the people who started and ran this study. Yeah. Fucked it up so bad. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit different, different aims, um, different, more scientific approaches. <laughs> but yeah. yes, all that right. is the story of Walnut. And also, Chris Crow, she was right? named yes, Chris Crow. Wow. She was named Walnut after um, the people at the first place she was in mm-hmm. Baraboo. It was like their favorite dessert at some local cafe was a walnut cream pie, so they called her Walnut. Um, you know how people name things. Yeah, for no. Your reason. dog was named Gilligan when he was at the <laughs> yeah. rescue. So they just—it's very arbitrary sometimes. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's all that. 
And now I have several other examples. I have many examples. I don't know if I'll talk about all of them. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how far we get. Okay. Um, so this is from Cool Green Science, Weird Conservation, The Strange Side of Saving Endangered Species, Parts 1 and 2. Okay. There's a stranger side than what I've just heard? Well, I set you up with hearing some of the strangest things. Yeah. But, yes, this is the... Some of the strange sides, they're not as strange as what we heard, but pretty good. Um, so they spy on sage grouse, a type of bird, mm-hmm. um, with sage grouse robots uh, <laughs> in order to study their courtship and the effects of things like oil and gas development on their courtship. They make these little robots so they can essentially infiltrate the areas where they are and where they do their mating and everything. Okay. So they can observe these things. Also, bird robots have been used for baby penguins and ro- they've made robotic owls. Huh. So yeah, they do this a lot. This is a little bit like Ace Ventura's robot rhino. Yeah. Except hopefully a grown naked man doesn't fall out of it. I hope not. I don't think a grown naked man could fit into a sage grouse. Probably not. So, uh, the next one is... <laughs> Chucking amphibian sausages out of a helicopter. Uh, There's a species of toad called the invasive cane toad, and they're poisonous. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in order to teach the northern quoll, which is an animal in Australia, not to eat them, they're actually smart animals. So what they started doing is taking, basically making amphibian sausages and lacing them with uh, something that causes nausea. Wow. So it will make them sick, but it won't kill them. So when they eat it, they will learn to avoid toads. Wow. Yeah, so that's that. So they grind up toads and add something that makes thing, things sick. Yeah. And that's that's the lesson. Yeah. That's kinda, Don't eat toads. It's kind of clever. Yeah. I think the interesting part for me is that you need <clears> to <throat> have studied and know a species well enough to be like, Oh, no, they learn from their mistakes, so they'll learn from this. We can actually do this. Like, all of these things that I'm going to talk about, my brain just reels. Like, how do you figure that out? Yeah, right. I guess if you dedicate your life to something. Yeah. There's very specific things that people are studying, and it's astonishing. Yeah, it is. Um, The next one is great. It's uh, two parts. Semen collecting helmet and also bird perfume. Oh, my God. This is in regards to the kakapo, which <laughs> is an eight-pound flightless parrot from New Zealand. Um, oh, what is that word? Oh, they use the GCMS to oh. analyze why some males are more popular and develop- and than others, and they're trying to develop a kind of cologne to, like, encourage mating. Um, okay. Axe body spray. For cockapos. <laughs> and one specific cockapo, his name is Sirocco. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a habit of trying to mate with people's heads. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can see this <clears throat> in action in a video, including Stephen Fry <laughs> and filmmaker Mark Carwardine. Um, and Mark Carwardine is 
uh, mated with essentially by Sirocco. He like jumps on him and oh is like God. humping his head essentially. And Stephen Fry is losing his shit. <laughs> I watched this video, or at least part of it. We should watch it. It sounds it's incredible. So funny. Oh, that poor man. But so <laughs> to try to get him to like so they could collect it. They made um, a semen collecting helmet. They're like, if he's going to fuck heads, at least just put it on their head. <laughs> um, but he he prefers helmetless heads. Oh my so God. now he's entered behavioral training. So they redirect his urges toward a stuffed owl puppet. <laughs> really? Yes. This is crazy. <laughs> How did he first be like, nah, that's that's for me. That person's head. He's uh, you see him in the video. He just like kind of hops around. He's like real hyper, and he hops around. And he gets up on his head, and he just starts going. And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, because he's flightless. He's a flightless bird. Oh, so he has to jump the whole way up too. Yeah, he's an eight pound bird that just like <laughs> jumps all around. He's crazy and really cute, and it's insane. Oh my god, we, we need have to watch, watch it. That. Yeah, yes. I have to watch that tonight. Um, one of my favorite things that I learned because, of course, I love dogs yeah. is that uh, rescue dogs are being trained to sniff out endangered animal populations, specifically their scat. Okay. But this is a thing that you can train dogs to do. Like so you're looking for an endangered species. You train yeah, the dog or you're, on the... Or you're trying to learn, um, you know, their population distributions or where they tend, what environments they tend to live in or where they're kind of hiding. Yeah. Um, yeah, you train a dog to sniff them out and then you can learn... Valuable information. Wow. So, God, I guess poop must be very different from each other for a dog to be able to. Oh, yeah. I mean, dogs can pick up a lot of things. I mean, they can identify specific drugs. Yeah, right. And stuff like that. Their noses are incredible. And obviously not every dog is suited to that. Our dog would not be. But (laughs) (laughs) um, he would just try to eat all the animals. Yeah. Or all the poop. All of everything. Uh, another thing is that uh, they often dress up as whooping cranes to prevent that imprinting that we talked about. Oh, like people working with people working cranes. with not the dogs. The dogs don't dress just, up as whooping cranes. I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad segue. But no, um, conservationists dress up as whooping cranes to prevent imprinting. So they wear all white, um, these kind of like all white suits, and then they basically have a fake bird head at, on their arm and then they feed the birds with their bird head arm so they don't or they aren't imprinted upon. Okay. Um <laughs> next <sense>. one <laughs> electro ejaculating <laughs> everything. They use this a lot. I have heard of this. I believe I heard about it as a, like an like a one-off joke on the office. Because Probably. Dwight offers to lend someone his bovine retro ejaculator or whatever it is. Electro <laughs> yeah. electro ejac yeah. not retro ejaculator. That's <laughs> Well it it was like a light aqua color and had some floral It was made entirely of polyester. Floral designs. <laughs> yeah, in it's a method that they use often in captive breeding. Uh it's a specialized probe that they insert into the animal's rectum. And then they use electrical impulses to stimulate the nerves responsible for ejaculation, and voila. What a horrifying thought. Well, it's easier than manually <laughs> trying to jerk off an animal. I think that's actually, Like yeah, a that's cheetah. Worse. They use it on things like cheetahs. Yeah, right, exactly. Things that you 
You don't want to be on that side of it. So you just, you you pop that thing in and you stand back. Oh my God. So they use um, this a lot? Yeah. It's like a method they use in many different animal populations. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean. All of these are like the strangest things. I mean, like basically some human beings probably do that for fun, but it's mm. odd to do it to an animal. No. Yeah. I themselves, yes, sure, fine, do what you want. But yeah, I thought you meant they do it to animals for fun. And I was like, no. <laughs> don't do that. No. <laughs> um, I just reading all of these different things that they do for conservation. It's hard to keep in my mind that the purpose is the same thing for all of these. Yeah, it is to like maintain or increase. Yeah, like an animal population. Yeah. Um, And sometimes that means. Killing off a different, or not all of, but a different animal population, something that's invasive or that has flourished that normally wouldn't uh, because mm-hmm. of circumstances. And yeah. in this case, um, they kill coral-eating starfish with robots. They kill starfish? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> These are crown of thorns starfish. Um, they have become overpopulated because nutrients from like local agriculture and industry yeah. have like fed them to the extent that they're like way more of them than there should be. Okay. And there's already too few coral. Like the coral reefs are very endangered. Mm-hmm. And so these, um, Crown of thorn starfish that don't look like the starfish you're thinking of. They literally, literally, they look spiky. Oh, like um, an urchin? Kind of, but they're not like round all around. But I can show you a picture later. Okay. Um, they they eat the coral, and the coral the coral <laughs> is already endangered. So what they do is they made these little robots that patrol the reefs. For crown of thorns starfish. And then when they find them, they stick out their little robot arm and they inject them with bile salts, which apparently kills them. Oh my God. Yeah. A little, little, it's like a um, really awful thing, isn't it? Doesn't it sound like brutal? That's why I said to remind <clears throat> you that sometimes you have <laughs> to decrease one population to save another population, yeah. especially when it's like, it's just there's way too many. In under normal circumstances, there wouldn't be that many. And so sometimes you this need is a, part of conservation. You need a starfish terminator to do the job. Sometimes you do. <laughs> it is a little garish. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So on to the next thing. I think this, you've probably heard of this. This parade of horrors. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've heard of this one. Which one? The bait and switch with rhino horns. They inject rhino horns with parasiticides and pink dye, which does not harm the rhinos at all. Yeah. But it it makes the horns um, less valuable for being trophies because now they're pink. Yeah. And also, if it were to be taken to be ground up, it will cause diarrhea to anyone who ingests it. Oh, like as a... Like a like a powdered rhino horn as like a like a supplement or yeah weird sort of uh, I, I think medicinal thing. I think people largely use it for like 
It's got to be like, yeah. Supposed to get you horny? Yeah, it, yeah, it's got to be that. <laughs> I forget the real <laughs> term a, for that. It's a gigantic rhino horn. It has to be for something phallic, <laughs> naturally. Well, I mean, they grind it up first, but yes. Yeah. Um, also, there's a company um, trying to develop synthetic rhino horn, but there's some debate over whether that would make real rhino horn more valuable or if it would make it less valuable like they're hoping. Huh. So I'm not sure. Um the next is that we are saving bats with bananas. <laughs> Apparently, there's a bacterium on bananas that they discovered by accident, of course, mm-hmm. like all things. Yeah. Um, that this bacterium inhibits fungus growth. Now, North American bats have a fungus problem, and it's called white nose syndrome, and I've it's killed 5.7 million bats within a few year period. Yeah. So it's like. It's like a big deal. Yeah. So far at the time when I saw, you know, at the time of this article, whenever it was written, 75 bats had successfully been treated with bananas. Plus, I bet watching them eat the bananas is really Well, I don't know if they like rub it on their nose or how they treat them, but it's basically it's an antifungal, but it's a natural antifungal that won't hurt the bats or anything around it. And it helps them. Well, I'm sure, you know what? I don't think they're rubbing on their nose. I think they're making essentially a medicine out of the bacterium and probably injecting it or... Or spraying it. Something. Yeah, because fungal stuff has got to be topical, right? Like, you could probably, like, bathe them in that. No, they make antifungal pills, too. Well, yeah, but... Internal medications, but... little noses. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know exactly how they're administering it. I just... All I can picture is a bat eating a banana and it's making that cute. cute little, like... Yeah, it's very cute. I like bats. <laughs> Just a little munching some. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, this one's for Chris. Oh, okay. Because I just learned that he likes this animal. Okay. Um, they have been tricking flamingos with their own reflections. Uh, into what? <laughs> into um, not smashing their eggs after they breed. Uh, apparently, they've been having a problem where the, the this place specifically only had about 34 flamingos. Uh-huh. And normally in the wild, they breed in herds of like tens of thousands. Okay. So they were having this issue that the flamingos would breed, but then afterwards they would like smash the eggs. Like they weren't behaving right. And so in trying to figure out why or like if there was a way to address it, they realize they normally have many more flamingos around, so maybe that's part of the problem. So they set up 50 mirrors oh my God. to try to trick them into thinking there are more flamingos. Um, they didn't say in this little blurb if that solved that problem or not, but this is a method that's used in bird populations very often. Um sometimes when there's like sick birds or whatever, just to like make them feel like they are around all the birds they normally would be. That's really interesting. I wonder mm-hmm. what it is about, like, what it is to them that there's more flamingos, so well, It might cool. be, like, a safety thing. Like, normally they, they have a lot more around them, and so they're safer because there's a lot of them. Or Like, like does the flamingo have that moment where it goes, I don't want to bring a kid into this fucked up world where there's only or, one of us. Or maybe they, like, they help each other raise them or something like that. Sure. So, who knows? That's fascinating. Not me. me. I'm not a conservationist. <laughs> okay. Number 
Oh, I guess it's number 11. I haven't really been saying the numbers. But <clears throat> okay. Custom kiwi deodorant. Kiwi? As in the bird. Oh. Uh, apparently, kiwis have a distinctive mushroomy smell. And unfortunately, this attracts non-native predators because it's very distinct. Okay. Um, so they're trying to develop a kiwi deodorant <laughs> to keep predators away. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's well, weird. Kiwi deodorant. The real More trick. Axe body spray for kiwis now. <laughs> I'll say the real trick is getting them to put it on. It's <laughs> see a little kiwi in front of a mirror like. <laughs> um, That's so weird. The next one. Sometimes they hurl Tylenol stuffed dead mice from helicopters. <laughs> Apparently in Guam, there is a, uh, an invasive species of snake. It's the brown tree snake. It has caused the extension, the extension, mm. the extinction, well, very different. Well, that sounds bad. Of nine out of 12 bird species in Guam. That's wow. how bad this is. Again, this is another case of like something that is there and shouldn't be there and is taking over because it has no natural predators in the area yeah um and which is why we have stink bugs <laughs> right exactly. same thing but not quite as bad i think because the nine out of 12 species is pretty horrific <laughs> so apparently acetaminophen is toxic to snakes so they stuff some in dead mice and they throw it out there and they're trying to kill the snakes. Can you imagine being on the bank of the river fishing when just a bunch of dead mice land everywhere <laughs> around you? <laughs> so weird. <laughs> what a horrible thought. Um, I've only got a few more. Yeah. So the next one, they are lighting up the savannah. Um, they are attaching solar powered flashing lights basically at the like edges of people's property uh -huh. to discourage um, lions and leopards <sighs> and other animals like that oh. from eating livestock. Apparently it doesn't bother the livestock, but, but it, it, like freaks, it the... freaks out other animals. So. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Like a strobing light is nothing like nothing like anything encountered in nature. Like yeah, it has and to you be don't like have a... to go out and shoot an animal yeah. and kill it to keep it from getting to your livestock. Yeah. So better option. You know what? If you haven't, if it if it isn't on your list, I have one of these for you, actually. Okay. Yeah. I'm almost done, so we'll see if it's on my list. Okay. Um, they're aging fish and sea turtles using atomic fallout. I thought you would like this one in particular. What? So, due to atomic bomb testing, there is an increased amount of isotope carbon fourteen mm. in the atmosphere. It's not harmful at mm. all. Um, but because of that, it made its way into the ocean food chain and it accumulates in shells and they, and also in like a tiny bones and like the inner ear of fish and stuff. Okay. So they use it for carbon dating. Essentially, they're able to carbon date fish and turtles and see like how they've changed habits and, and where they live and things like this. Yeah. So yeah, I thought you liked that. I do like that. It's just weird that... It it's weird that, like, that we can, <laughs> because of this thing we never thought of. Yeah. We never considered this just, off consequence. just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I can just, like, that's, basically test a shell and figure out how old it is. That's why I said it's, like, it's bizarre because it's stuff I would never in a million years think to do. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So strange. But take advantage of it. <laughs> Lastly, okay. there are nine species of lava lizard 
and who woo their females with basically doing push-ups. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, they didn't do a weird little push-up-y thing. Um, <laughs> Much in the like article the I read, they related them to the bros of Jersey Shore. <laughs> um, That's funny. So they made a little lizard push-up robot. To study the interactions between males of different these different species of lava lizards to try to understand, like, basically why these ones exist and what methods they use for mating and, like, what works better and things like that. Wow. Understand why these are the populations of this lizard that exist. <laughs> That's all little, I got. Little push-up robots. Little push-up robots. I, I love the idea of lizard being like, hey, check this out. <laughs> Right. What do you do tonight, babe? And then lifts one leg up and does oh, just the one arm push like, up. Then he like he he pushes himself up and then he claps his little hands. <laughs> what are you doing later? Little lizard bros. Yo, hit me up. What are you doing? So, did you have one I haven't talked yeah, about? Yeah, actually, I have one. I I uh, something you said reminded me of this. I haven't heard about this in a long time, but there was a, a particular issue somewhere in India. It's like where like. Several villages were routinely running into problems with like wild elephants, mm. right? And I don't think they, I don't know, I, I don't think it's like the thing of like a malicious thing, but it's just like elephants getting into places they shouldn't be yeah. and then freaking themselves out and then stomping on people or attacking people because yeah. they're freaked out, right? Mm-hmm. So if I, if I remember correctly, what they did was they started planting around like the perimeter of the town really hot peppers. <laughs> Oh, because apparently as they come by or like they make contact with it or they smell it or whatever, it freaks them out Hmm. and they just book it. And I think there's probably no shortage of really hot peppers in India. So (laughs) it works out great. It's it's an ammo that that they have. Yeah. And it's a climate that's like perfect for growing really, really hot peppers. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess like they use it as a deterrent. A little fence. It's like an electric fence, but made of hot peppers. A little pepper fence. Huh. That's yeah. really interesting. I didn't come across that one. Yeah. I haven't heard about that in a while, but uh, I thought that was interesting. I like it. Huh. Well, this has been all about weird shit we do in the name of preserving animal species that <clears throat> we're basically responsible for taking out. <laughs> I didn't think I'd hear the phrase, massages her cloaca tonight. <laughs> but... You're welcome. <laughs> uh... One thing that I didn't mention before that I, I found very touching and not... Not literally phrasing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Was something Chris Crow said was that when he was a kid, he like saw examples of like animals being in bad situations because of humans and thought to himself, well, if we're the cause of this, then we should be the ones fixing it. And that's why he went into conservation. Mm -hmm. I get a very young age, just bleeding heart. For these animals and was like, we're the problem. We should be the ones doing something. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yes. He didn't ever think it was going to (laughs) mean massaging a bird's cloaca. I'm sure. I shouldn't laugh because this is important stuff. But also, that's really something. It's definitely weird. Yeah. I'm sure even he thinks it's bizarre. I'm sure he does. But... It, you know, you do what you got to do, and it's easier to get a bird to breed that way than to traumatize them, then you do that, I guess. I guess? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason you're not a conservationist, I guess. <laughs> you you uh, won't massage a bird's cloaca. Add this to the list of You don't have what it takes. It's, it's a job I don't want. 
Yeah. I, I will say outright. Yeah. Well. It's a bit. <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, You're welcome. You're I lo- welcome. I love that now I know what is up with the beavers, too. The parachuting yeah. beavers. I, it started with the beavers. It moved yeah. on to walnut <laughs> and yeah. then all of these other delightful things. Wow. Very interesting stuff. Well, you know, like I always I always say that nature is one of the most interesting things I think that there it's is. It's bizarre. Um, it's like. But but now we learned that what we'll do to preserve it is the more interesting thing. Yeah. It's this biological machine that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really, really interesting to see some of the things that people that spend their life with it, like, figure it's out. It's really good at self-regulating, mm-hmm. except that we are really good at fucking that up. Yeah. So. And then when that happens, we feel an obligation to unfuck to it. To unfuck it up. Yeah. Which is not but always easy or sometimes possible. Sometimes. Fucking it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you for that. Uh, this has been another episode of Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Um, I hope that we'll be back next week. I assume that we will be. I think we will. Uh, we'll see what happens. We say <laughs> that and then something happens. So Yeah. Um, but, uh, thank you for all that. Uh, if you have ideas, uh, again, Laura, thank you for that suggestion. Uh, I have uh, added like 10 things to the list lately. So (laughs) if anyone has more ideas, please keep them coming to us at uh, goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. We would like your ideas. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we're running out. So (laughs) continue to, uh, I mean, mean, like I said, I just added a bunch. We're not, we're not going to run out anytime very soon, but we will always need ideas. True. Uh, so we'll see you next time with another episode of Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Have a great week. Uh, Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 